1: This is the
0: CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Thursday, October 6th. And Brendan, that is all that she wrote. 162 games. In the books, the Cubs, as you all know, did not make the playoffs. They finish at 74-88, and and that's a
1: wrap, Brendan. I don't know how to feel about this, Corey. Like, what am I supposed to do for the next six months? If you spread out a Nico Horner home run, what would you have to do once every, like, 2 weeks, once every 3 weeks? You no, know, I just watch all of them every single day anyway, but uh maybe that is the best way of going about doing it, just spread it out, you know. Right. No, maybe once yeah. every 2 weeks. I mean that
0: doesn't do much for you every day, but you know, something to look I mean, he's hit to.
1: so many home runs now that it, it, it can fill an entire off season, you know. Double digits. Double yeah. digits just like Aaron Judge, you know.
0: Yeah. So we obviously have a lot to talk about. Uh we will look back at these three games with the Reds, but also spend I think a lot of the episode today just kind of thinking back, maybe in a little more of a, a broader perspective on the season that was here in twenty twenty two, and then obviously we have a, a long off season here. So I think, especially while the playoffs are going on and the Cubs are not involved, maybe then we can turn our focus to more hyper specifically analyzing the position players, pitchers, and taking you know that that kind of detailed look into the season that was for for each individual player or guys who were going to be important going forward etc cetera, etc cetera. uh you know i know i want to give a shout out before we get any further to our guys uh luke ryan and cody they were in studio On Wednesday afternoon wrapping up their final postgame show of the season. I've been uh, very fortunate to be in the studio with them a number of times throughout the season. Brendan has been on uh, via webcam a few times as well. It uh, was a pleasure in our first year to work with those guys and to work with Jared Willis as well. Um, and, you know, want to just give them a, a good hat tip for, for finishing off a season of post-game shows, uh, many of which, Brendan, were after games that just were not that
1: enjoyable to watch. I know. So kudos what?
0: to those three.
1: I strategically only went on after good games. So, you know. Yeah, I did smart not. Smart on my part. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder I, what that means. Maybe you were just a bad luck charm. You I, know? I spent some, some uh,
0: long nights in the wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's a very nice CHO uh, studios uh, and offices. Here in the yeah, West, Loop I gotta get out there. in Chicago. Uh, but yes, there were definitely some four-hour plus games where the Cubs lost by double digits. Uh, that mm-hmm. yeah, not the easiest okay. post-game shows in the world to do. So uh, yes, a major hat tip to those three guys. They did a great job all year, and Brendan and I are very happy and proud to share a feed uh, with everybody on the CHGO Cubs team. So the Cubs win just one game in this final series, the Reds taking 2 of 3, but the game the Cubs did win, Brendan, it is the last game of the year, so they do end on a positive note and it is a rout. So it doesn't count for much other than just one win in a, you know, otherwise not particularly meaningful season, but if we're going to go out, might as well go out with a bang, right? Absolutely. I mean,
1: you know, Nico Horner increased his weighted on base average to 320, finishes the season with a 106 WRC plus well above average. But that was a fun way to go out. You got good uh, contributions from your enti- the entire lineup and you got some good subs in as well. It was a nice uh, finale to the season that-, that keeps the offseason going in a positive direction.
0: Yeah, uh, and I I was a little, if I had one nit to pick, it would be uh, that Adrian Sampson exited the game on Wednesday uh, as a precaution, as it was reported by uh, the Cubs beat uh, with some right growing tightness. So he ended up going two and two thirds, uh, allowed just one earned run, 65 pitches. So I don't know if he would have had the length to get there through the sixth for the quality start, but we've been tracking it and I wanted to see it uh so you know glad it was precautionary but I thought that would have been a a a 15 to 2 win with him getting the quality start would have been a really like funny and fitting way to end this not only this season but this second half that saw the Cubs go 39 and 31 since the all-star break and of course something we've been tracking they did finish with the third best rotation ERA in that span
1: Right. And I also saw too that the bullpen had the most strikeouts yeah. in major league was, baseball. Court.
0: Were you was that surprising to you?
1: I mean, you knew they were doing well, but it was surprising just to see well, them like
0: I I mean, have they been doing well? I mean inconsistent.
1: Yeah, but like all the strikeouts though, right. you know, like over like the twins and you know, the the, the powerhouse bullpen's right. nonetheless, that's still impressive. Yeah, well, and
0: especially with how you know, many people have cycled in and out yeah. of that bullpen yeah yeah um yeah it's a it's a good indication you're you we're a, a fan of tommy hattavi and, and his i group.
1: love yeah tommy hattavi right. yeah right I yes
0: i've heard that before yeah um so yeah that's that that's it folks um i guess brendan you know the first thing i want to ask uh and we'll look at these box scores but you know whatever right um I guess just like generally, like, did this season play out uh, the way that you thought it was? It was a question that I think uh, Luke Stuckmeyer put out on his Twitter, and I know they talked about it, uh, their impressions in the, in the post game on Wednesday after the season finale, but I wanted to get your read on that. Like, looking back, like, now that it's over, uh, did this season go kind of as you expected, better, worse? How, how'd you feel?
1: Overall, the, the win loss record, I, I think we all expected mid 70s. If they got lucky, low 80s, high 70s, but of course they did not get lucky. So, on that sense, that's what I expected. I expected, though, better performances from first base. We didn't get to see that from like Schwindel and Rivas. And I did not expect this pitching to be that uh, impressive. Like, I, I expected them to make. You know leaps and bounds and improvements, but across the board, you saw Steele and Thompson cement themselves as significant guys for next season. You saw Alzalite rebound. You saw uh, guys kind of come out of nowhere like Scott Efros, who returned with Wisniewski. You saw Eric Yolman uh, show some impressive stuff. So in that respect, there were a lot of performances that, in my mind, reached like the top end of their respective projections. And then, of course, how Seiya Suzuki finished up, it, it was a good start. It was kind of like a low, medium, some injuries, but he finished high as well. So the bulk sum of the majority of the numbers were as to be expected, but there were a lot of uh, a lot of unique features such as the disappointing first baseman and the, some of the bullpen guys performing better than expected and getting really top-end projections from Steele and, and Keegan to finish off the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we did our CHGO staff predictions at the beginning of the year, I think uh, you just told me this. What was I at? Around 78?
1: You were 77. 77. So I I was was
0: 78. I was close. Um, So I guess in that regard, it was pretty close to what I thought, and I yeah, I mean, I agree with you. So, you're
1: just giving yourself credit, yeah, as
0: always, (laughs) as everybody knows. The reason you bring that, I'm very smart, I'm rarely wrong about things, (laughs) um, etc., etc. But I I think it did in the sense that we knew this roster was volatile, right? And there were certainly scenarios where everything in the world goes right, and they could have been better. I think the fact that. They were as bad as they were at earlier points in the year. That they went on, you know, multiple stretches of, of double-digit losses in a row, et cetera. Um, I think the fact that they ended up at seventy-four wins is uh, amazing in some senses, with how bad they looked
1: at certain oh, times for sure. during this season. I mean, those first two months with with those one-run games and extra innings, it was a it was a mess to start. Right, and you know, I think if
0: you, you know, so we knew that this roster was volatile. We knew that their margin of error was very, very slim. And I think, you know, now with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what came to fruition and what didn't, I think if you told me at the beginning of the year that Hendricks would be inconsistent and miss a large portion of the season due to injury, uh, that Madrigal would not play well, uh, save for you know about like a month at the end of the year, uh, and would be injured for a large portion of the year, if you told me that the first base position would be an outright mess, no matter who they put there, right? Uh, and that Wade Miley and Drew Smiley, Smiley who came back in the second half and was great, uh, but you know both of them would miss significant time, right? I would say, yeah, this that's that's the margin of error we were talking about, right? Like you yeah. also got great things. Nico was great, right? Yes, he was. Say yes, Suzuki was. missed uh, a good chunk of time with some injuries, but overall he had a great rookie season. You know, we especially talked about the that way just, he ended. Yeah, just recently. Ian Happ, great on defense, consistent and good again on offense like he was uh, last year for the most part. So those things happen, but the bad stuff is what was always the, you know, had the potential to weigh it down. And I think one of the things we talked about in the preseason was they couldn't really afford any of those things, let alone the amount that they dealt with. So, Now looking back, it's like, yeah, this is about exactly how this season was going to go. I think the only question we had to answer through the season, Brendan, was what were going to be the things that brought it down to the lower end of the projection. And as I just laid out, you know, we saw what those things were.
1: We did, and we saw why they didn't hit those super low end of the projections. If you're projected at 74 wins, which is what Fangraphs was projected at, if you compare the projections across the ultimate finished standings, one standard deviation away from each team's projection is 5.8 wins. So you can assume that the low end of the Cubs projections could have been high 60s. The super low end was like mid-60s to low-60s. Uh, that would have happened, Corey, if guys like Adrian Sampson didn't right. perform, if Javier Assad did not perform, if Wisniewski did not come up, give innings, if Steele, Keegan, Alzulai, Yolman, if these guys did not contribute, then it was likely they were not going to win 70 games and hit that lower end. So that's why for me, it's a little weird in that the ultimate 74-win number was to be expected. But the way they ended up getting there towards the end, that was encouraging. And for me, the top end of those guys' projections, which gives me a lot of confidence going into this offseason.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the fact that they won 74 games, and I think it's easy to pick some things and say, okay, like, hey, had Wade Miley been healthy and good all year, could have won a couple more. Had Kyle Hendricks been healthy and good, could have won a couple more. Things like that, but you can also do the reverse, right? Like, when we were coming into the season, we had so many questions, and I think you answered a lot of them in a positive way, right? Like, Steele was great. Keegan Thompson was great, Christopher Morrell came out of nowhere and put up a really nice season for the Cubs at 23 years old. So in the same way that you can say, well, you know, had a couple different things, I'm not suggesting they could have been a, you know, I don't think they were going to be a playoff team, obviously, but they could have won a handful more games, maybe gotten closer to 500. But at the same time, you also had a, a few of the things that you were hoping would go really well, they went about as well as they could have gone, right? Like, Justin Steele was about as good as you could have asked him to be. Yeah. Hayden Wisniewski, you didn't even have in the organization, and he only had a handful of outings, but he was phenomenal.
1: And right? the way you got him, too. It's like, Scott Efros was a guy that we kind of saw changing his arm slot to maybe being a guy, but not as the lead guy to get right. someone like Wisniewski. That was a huge shock.
0: right. So I think it's all just to say, again, that I do think this played out exactly as we expected. When they entered the season talking about this group being competitive, we knew that that hinged on a lot going right. And a really good amount did, but not all of it, right? And that was the only way that that was really going to be true, right? Is if all of it really went right. They had no margin for error. No margin of error, and they're— was error, right? Uh, which yeah. you know we knew. And and this was again whether we were happy about how this roster was built or how they went about this year or not, that was pretty much always the most likely outcome. And so I, you know, I think it's not that surprising to look and see that you know they don't get every team, right? I think they had predicted better for the Reds maybe, but uh Fangraphs 74 wins. There you go. There you 74 go. wins,
1: like right on the money. But this also reminds me of how important it is for the Cubs to to mitigate this error as we're talking about like next season. Of course. And although we talk about the pitching in a very positive sense, there's still cracks in their current system. And those cracks are that you can't confidently project a lot of these guys over 150 innings. And because of that, you're going to introduce so much air into the projections. And the way to make sure those cracks are filled is to go out and you sign a pitcher, maybe two. If you don't, you trade for someone as well. And you really shore up the top end of this depth. Because the lower end depth, if those types of innings are lower for these guys. This has the potential to be one of the better pitching staffs in baseball. It's just a matter of making sure that you mitigate the risk and not rely on some of these guys these significant indians as your only option.
0: Yeah. I do think, you know, we all, uh, well, I shouldn't say we all, but you and I definitely, I know Cody, uh, our guy Cody Domendo is in this group as well. Like we're we're expecting a, a an active offseason. Let's use the word active, Brendan. Uh I don't wanna I don't I don't know if I should use the word exciting or big or anything. Let's just active is the word that I'm gonna okay. use. Um and I think it better the be. way that the well, yeah, duh, but <laughs> I think the way that this team played out and the roster was built, as you said, is a good cautionary tale to how you build the team next year. And I think you're exactly right. Like you found a lot of depth, but this team had the potential, they they were relying on a lot of stuff that you can't really rely on, right? You had some older starting pitchers, for example, that got hurt or weren't able to be durable throughout the season. I mean, three of them, Miley, Smiley, and Kyle. Right. So, And that's an example where it's like, you shouldn't have bet on that, right? Like, you shouldn't be betting on a, a few guys in their mid-30s or wherever they are to make 30 starts for you, right? And, and if your success hinges on that, that's not really the best roster building uh, because a lot of those guys have had injuries in the past. And it was like, yeah, like this seems like a pretty natural conclusion here. And had you had a more volatile, you know, seasons from your younger guys, your rookies, it would have been even worse. You were lucky that, you know, Justin Steele was as good and consistent as he was. So I think you're exactly right. When you're building the team for next year, you have to mitigate some of these risks. And I think we talked about it not too long ago, but it was that Theo quote about you Darvish from, I think it was back in 2018. Where, Which one was this? Where he said, uh, you know, if if we... Oh, yeah, are yeah, 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 yeah. relying on it, and it doesn't yeah. work. That's not bad luck. Like that's on us, right? right? For not for relying on something we shouldn't be relying on. And I think that's something that this group didn't do this year when they built the roster. And hopefully next year, now that they have a little bit more of a foundation, hopefully you're going to spend some more money you can do that. And that's one of the things you want to see with this roster.
1: Well, it's difficult in my mind to organize the pitching side because in one sense, you want that stability. And I'll always opt for the stability. But in a different way of thinking, you want guys to come up and be productive who are controlled for the next five, six years. Sure. Um, And the way that the Cubs were able to unravel some of those guys is because miley didn't pitch because smiley right. was yeah injured, that's true and kyle was out so you know it's like you know what is the risk of signing some of these guys and well, taking I think that, away the opportunities of these other younger pitchers like i think Wisniewski. that that
0: balance is comes with i i think we go back to i don't i don't think that they truly viewed this group as competitive right I think they Mm -hmm. had intended this year to be used at least in part for that purpose even if the team was flirting with competitiveness as the season went on you know this was not a chips all-in kind of season so I think you were going to see them use it as a developmental year no matter what but I think you know like just in in you know, as simply as I can put it, Wade Miley was really good last year. It was an excellent move by Jed Hoyer to pick him up when the Reds made the mistake of getting rid of him, but he's 35 years old, right? There is a big difference in signing, you know, in bringing in Wade Miley and expecting him to perform in your rotation versus signing, you know, I don't know, Carlos Rodan, right or trading for someone like Pablo Lopez like there's just a big difference in that one of them is yeah we're trying to loosely compete and put guys that have had success on the field but if it doesn't work okay so what the other is no we're getting these guys because we're expecting them to be really good and and dominant for us
1: because we're trying to win yeah it, it's it's going to be a lengthy discussion throughout the offseason and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot. But even, you know, Pablo Lopez and, and Rodone, and maybe, you know, we've heard some inklings about uh, Bieber from Cleveland potentially yeah. being available. This is going to be an active offseason, and the discussions are going to be active as well. And I don't really know where I stand on some of these guys, like including like Pablo Lopez. Great numbers, right? But it's a matter of what is the value you have to give up to give back some, someone like Pablo Lopez, and what is the risk associated with his pitch repertoire and his sequencing and his stuff? I don't know yet. Like on paper, looks good right now but we have to get into like the the fine details to actually figure this stuff out which yeah i think so
0: before we hop into our first sponsor break here i think ultimately uh just to conclude it at least on my end like yeah i think this season went about exactly as i would have expected not as i would have hoped right but this was always one of the strongest possibilities is is this exact outcome you know for, for them to have been a, a playoff team, even looking at where teams are in the National League that's getting them into the playoffs, just too much would have had to go right. I'm really, really pleased with all that did go right, but it was always just a massive ask. For all of that to go right, you know, and even looking back in hindsight, Brendan, like you would have had to have Nick Madrigal stay healthy and play like he did for the White Sox all year. Frank Schwindel hitting exactly like he did last year. Wade Miley and Kyle Hendricks staying healthy all year and performing like they have, you know, closer to some of the better years uh, in their career, right? Like, and even just those four, there's more that you can say went wrong or whatever. That's a lot, it's a lot to ask, and so it's like, yeah, this is about what I expected because
1: it was sort of constructed this way. It was, and you get a lot of good information from these guys who got those opportunities. Like, like one of my things I'm looking forward to the most this offseason is going back and looking at some of the changes that we missed from from these pitchers, and I'm excited to kind of like dig into that and also internally assess who are the guys that maybe. Have more risk, so that that will be fun. It was a productive season in that regard, of course. You want to win these games, but uh, when you have expectations that are around 74 wins and you hit those expectations and you have confidence going forward, I think relatively speaking, you can come away with the season being encouraged about next season. Now, you want to win again, I get it, but realistic, I think this was a productive uh season for the pitching side and a lot of the developmental guys as well. Okay, so a break here. From our sponsor, Greenridge Farms. Corey, you're a big cheese guy, right? That's correct. Yeah. So, I mean, this is maybe the ad for you. So, Greenridge Farms... Uh they are a local Chicago meat and cheese company. For me, when I make all my graphs, like I'm a big cheese guy, I will just hammer down cheese as I'm making these grafts. So maybe I need to get Green Ridge Farms to send me a lot of these samples here. Uh, they are makers of all natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks as well. And if you're a tailgating person, you want to go out to those Bears games this year, it's perfect for tailgating happy hour school lunches as well. And with 16 grams of... Of protein per stick, per one of these meat sticks. It makes a perfect post-workout snack as well. If you haven't tried them out, go and do it. You do not know what you're missing. They are delicious because they are made from recipes from generations in the making. And being all natural, they deliver a fresh and flavorful alternative snack as well. You can always find them in refrigerated sections at Costco, Sam's Club, or in your local Chicagoland grocery store. But right now. When you order any three meat products at greenrichfarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Okay, second break here from our other sponsor, Game Time. I love this app, Corey, Game Time. This app will give you the best price tickets, even tickets to sporting events or concerts at the last second. If you're not planning on going to a game, let's say you want to go to a Bears game, uh, the tickets are not... Um, are not that expensive, perhaps, in the last second. Well, Game Time is going to let you know if that's the case. Uh, we've got a chance to use this as well for not just Chicago sporting events as well, but on other sporting events uh, throughout the country. On the West Coast, it works like a charm. Game Time is the hottest new ticket site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to shows, sports, concerts, and you will not find a better deal this season on Bears games. The Bulls are coming up. The Blackhawks are coming up. This app is created by the fans for the fans. This guarantees the lowest price. So if you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description of this episode. You can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app App and score the best seats to all your favorite events.
0: All right, Brendan, you kind of have started to allude to it, but we, we, we talk about if, you know, this was kind of what we expected in the season. You and I expressed very clearly how we felt about the direction of the team for years now, right? Like that was all very clear on the table, but once they're on this path, which they started a long bit ago, I guess you could say with the U Darvish trade, perhaps, is maybe the the starting point. They, they chose the path. They're on the path. They're doing what they're doing, right? Yeah. Do you look at this season as a success, given that they chose to do this, right? I, again, I'm not asking if you're pleased with this, right? <laughs> I just want to make that question. clear. But. Do you view all of the development and everything, given that they laid this out the way that it did, did they learn enough? Did we see enough growth and development and all of that, given the platform that they had for that type of season?
1: I'm pausing here because it's it's such a multifaceted question. And you brought up you Darvish from years ago, and th- even that trade— the, the value received back in those prospects like Reggie Preciato, and Owen Casey etc. like that's that's to be determined. Those are top rated prospects, and you can relitigate that trade and whether or not to keep Darvish and add to that team. You can do that forever as long as you want. Honestly, uh, going forward from this season on, it that's done with. So you can only, in my mind, look at the 2022 season in its context. And in its context, the Cubs yes open up positional roster spots for these guys to develop. And that was their intention going forward. And for me, you can make the argument on both sides that it was a good idea, it was a bad idea. But going forward, given what they wanted to do, I think they got out of it what they wanted. And what they wanted to me was trying to project guys that can contribute to the immediacy, as well as two, three, four years down the road. And the, the bulk majority of that value came from the pitching side, which has always been a weak point of this organization. And for the first time in my fandom, you have a bulk of pitchers that actually look as if they are progressing, that they're going to be valuable contributors next season and for years beyond. I think because of this, Corey, because they were able to use this weak year to get more information, it's all about confidence in projecting next year's team and the years beyond next year. And the confidence is in as much information, as much data, as many innings, as many pitches as possible. And when I look at how many innings these guys racked up, like Steele and Keegan, even Alzelay in his time back, I think you can use those innings and all those pitches thrown and they're not a small sample size and you have a confident projection for next season. That type of confidence should inform what this front office does for next season as well. So I think you you give the front office more incentive to go out and be active and get guys that can win next season, because while the risk and the error going into this season was so high, that risk should shrink next season. It still might be large in the current moment, right. but that should shrink because you have more information on these current guys, and that might give you more incentive to shrink down that variability even more in the form of free agents and trades. So. I think that answers your question. Uh, yeah. You can you can always play Monday morning quarterback on what they did from three, four years ago, but the reality is they have thousands of pitch types locked into their database in a not small sample size that will reduce their error in their projection. So in that regard, I do think it's valuable, and I do think they got what they wanted out of it.
0: Yeah, I think I tend to agree. I, I remember in one of the preseason episodes that we did in the studio. I remember Luke asking, you know, how many guys would you want to have succeed in, in however you're defining that for each particular player, but, you know, really hit in the positive way in, in 2022 for this season to be a success. And I I remember at the time, and I still don't have like an exact number on that. I feel like that's kind of difficult to Put in that exact framework, but every single player you want. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) twenty-five. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I I liked the question because I think that's really what this was about, and I don't have the specific number that I needed to see, but I think save for a little bit at the beginning, right? And I'm not. I'm not saying any names, Brendan. You don't have to yell at me, uh, though you yell at me for even even implying it. it. Why even insinuate it? Well, it's it's like sort of a season review, right? They were here. Um, (sighs) But I do think they ended up, the majority of the time, in some cases it took them a little longer than it should, but they gave playing time to people worth checking out, right? Yeah. And I think... You know, one thing that was disappointing, uh, although, you know, now he's back and playing in the Arizona Fall League, he was able to get back for the end of the minor league season. Uh, you know, one thing we debated at the beginning of the year was when does Brennan Davis come up? Do we get to see him? Okay, so that didn't happen. But there was a, a reason for that. Otherwise, I, I feel like they gave a lot of runway to guys that were worth, giving runway to. And I don't feel yeah. like there were too many guys in the system, save for Matt Mervis, right, where we found ourselves wondering why we weren't seeing them. And even that, I know you don't necessarily agree with it, but we knew the answer for why they weren't doing that. And it was, you know, the 40 man and the rule of 5 draft stuff. Other than that, I do think it was a success because they— like you said they found out a ton about a lot of different pitchers i think more than anything the pitching was the real success we've we've talked endlessly that they still need to add to the rotation uh, at the top of that rotation, and as we've discussed even already on this episode, you know, more stability, less risk, etc. But you got Alzeli back in there. You got in really incredible work from Steele and Thompson. You saw Wisniewski a little bit. And then, as you mentioned, a ton of guys in this bullpen. I'm, and I mean, even just for knowing right now, okay, Brandon Hughes is a guy in this bullpen. Great. Check it yeah. off like that, that's a good example of one of those guys that you figured out a a high leverage bullpen arm because of the time that you devoted this year. And then, you know, you look on the offensive side, there were plenty of, we'll call them experiments that didn't work, right? And that I don't know if they have a spot on this roster. I don't know if they'll be in the organization as this offseason goes on, right? But, the the time that you gave to say a suzuki you were able to bring him in and let him have right field and just develop and go through those peaks and valleys and he just had the time and he came out better for it right ian happ
1: took major strides on the defensive side of the ball and and offensive side too improved his con improved his contact rate power wasn't sacrificed that much so That was a big development that I, myself, don't recognize as often as I should. Right. And for a guy who we weren't really sure about coming into the year. Even during the trade deadline, you know? Yeah.
0: So, you know, now you have sort of a two-year sample of, you know, uh, he wasn't great at the beginning of last year, obviously, but you have a more extended sample now of him performing at this level and maybe a clearer idea of... Who he is, Nico Horner, of course, like oh, the obvious one. Yeah. Chris Morrell, like getting yeah. that time as a twenty-three year old, like I do feel like that was valuable. And we feel like he's somebody who's gonna play a role on these teams going forward. David Ross has talked about it being in, you know, kind of a super utility role. I know you've thought about it in the context of someone like how Chris Taylor is used for the Dodgers. And, you know, that's one of those things where at the beginning of the year, when they're starting these veterans who stink I, you that's not what you were doing and for a while we weren't sure that they were going to be using those positions in those time effectively and you know now we sit at the end of the year and we've got a whole season's worth of data on Christopher morell that at, a, at certain times we definitely didn't think they were going to use so yeah I, I, I do think it's a success in that regard right that's obviously not how we would like to be defining success for this team on this podcast but here we are. I think you could always have hoped for more, right? I think there's definitely certain guys who never really got it going. And maybe you would have liked to have tried something else, I suppose. Um, But, you know, then it becomes an issue of, well, are you calling somebody up? Are you bringing in somebody else from the outside? So, you know, you could always ask for more. But for me, I am pleased with what we saw, given that I feel like we have uh, some really solid information on guys on both sides of the ball that we, I think, pretty confidently believe can play a role on a successful team, even if in some cases, maybe even a lot of cases, it's not that
1: star, you know, leading man kind of role. And it's not just about the numbers that look good. We 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 always talk about the numbers that do look good. Of course that's easier to talk about. It's better to talk about cuz it gives you happy, uh, gives you more happiness. But also the numbers that are bad, those are also also useful. And for example, for Patrick Wisdom, he had a successful year Corey. Like last season in 2021, he had one of the worst whiff rates in the league, but he improved upon that whiff rate to a degree that translates to error in your projections that's not that wide. So he improved his contact rate this season. But also with Patrick Wisdom, you know that he had platoon splits. And against lefties, his weighted on base average was 380 this year. Against righties, it was slightly below 300. So you know, okay, with Wisdom, you didn't know if he would even be a major leaguer this year, but you also have more information about some of his weaknesses. And then you can better build a roster around those weaknesses as well. With Christopher Morrell, you know what he needs to improve upon. So you can You can better project his season next year because he has some weaknesses. His whiff rate was one of the worst in the leagues as well. Although his speed, the power across multiple positions from shortstop to second base to the outfield, that is a rarity that you see typically with guys as you alluded to with Chris Taylor. But you know, okay, I have this bad data point for Morrell. We're going to work with him to improve that next season. So, that is beneficial, even though in the current moment it's not that bad. And it helps you build the roster around those weaknesses as well. It's not all about collecting good data points, it's not all about collecting successful results. It's about finding why you're not having success in certain areas and then tailoring the roster around those weaknesses, which I think they can do. I think if you want to go out next season and and improve around the diamond but go with a platoon of first base with Patrick Wisdom, there might be a legitimate reason to do so. If you want to give Patrick Wisdom a lot of at-bats against lefties and you pair him with a lefty first baseman, maybe Matt Mervis, I don't know the data, but maybe that does work out, again, in the context of what they do around the diamond. So it's not all about good data points, it's about collecting bad data points that helps you, one, improve that actual player, but two, plan around and optimize that player um, in, in, in the process for next season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's a difficult thing to define success in a year where you win 74 games. And I think it's even more difficult when we don't... Really, the answer to that question, Brendan, depends on the offseason, right? Because I think to us you you found a lot of what can be a foundation or at least you know complementary pieces of a competitive team especially in this division right the the NL Central as it is but and if they go into this offseason and they they do add a, a star, you know, middle infielder or somebody to play third base, and they do add a top-of-the-rotation arm, and they do add somebody maybe to give some stability in center field or something like that and, and really build this team in a stronger effort, then, yeah, I would say that, that that we would then look back and say, well, 2022 was a resounding success, right? right. You use the time to give guys experience that otherwise you wouldn't have had the time for, right? If, you know, we go into the next year asking the same questions, right, and projecting similar win totals and talking about the same margin of error, then no, this season wasn't a success for the team. It would then only have been, I think, a success for these individual players that got the runway to figure some things out. Does does that is that fair? I think it depends largely on what the organization does.
1: Well, as as you talk about that, I'm thinking— like my rebounding interpretation of what you said is looking at this current era longer than a one to two year window, right? Like it's looking at this entire competitive window in three, four, five years. And you could devote more resources or could have devoted more resources in 2021 and 2022. But the thinking that the Cubs are employing is okay, well, if you devote those resources at the front end, then you. You introduce more air towards the back end, and in a five, six, seven-year window, you're not winning as many seasons as you otherwise might have if you kind of play the risky game up front in 2021 and 2022. That's their thinking process. Uh, Sometimes that gets a little misconstrued as ownership being cheap. Uh, there, There probably is a component to that. We've seen Schwarber, for example, not being tendered a contract in 2020. They cut dozens of guys from the scouting department in 2020 during the COVID season. So that's also fair as well. But I do think there's a component to the front office that wants to get information about their current guys that's independent from the actual intention to spend money. I think they value that in the context of a three-, four-, five-year window. And again, you can criticize that. We've criticized that. Uh, sometimes it's very difficult to understand it as well without being in it. But I think that's kind of the thinking process that, that you're employing. And I think that's the thinking yeah. process that uh, the front office is is clearly going about.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, even just like on a particular thing, if, you know, you go into the off season and you take what you've learned about this staff and you say, okay, we use this time to let Keegan and Justin and Hayden get some, some time and some innings and learn what we can, we're going to add a top of the rotation arm and we're going to use that depth to have one of the better pitching staffs in the league. Yeah. Okay, great. If they go into next year and say no, we had the best, third best ERA in the second no, half. That, Why that, would we need to make any happen. changes? That can't happen. You know, then this was not again. It, it was only sort of a productive use of time. But I don't, ex- right. I I don't expect them to do that latter thing. I really don't. So I I do think it's going to end up being a success for the organization. Can
1: I add, let, me, let me before I do this ad break, and then I'll get back to this. But but there's a lot of listeners. You see this on Twitter as well that kind of scoff at your thinking. Like, like what makes you believe they're going to have an active offseason, Corey? Mm-hmm. It's a legitimate question. What makes you think this?
0: Well, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I think that first of all, I think logically, like, what we're laying out makes sense, right? Like, you did use this time to learn stuff about younger guys, and that's the logical next step if you're trying to build A successful baseball team is to add and build around what you've learned I think there's also just a lot of smoke around this and I don't remember this being the case last year the vibes
1: the Otani stuff the the, the vibes were just so weird
0: last year going into the deadline we knew they were going to make those gut-wrenching trades in the offseason the language was so weird from everybody right, from Tom to Jed, everybody in the organization, it was just, well, you know, we're not calling it a rebuild, but we're future-oriented, this, that, and the other, and I just feel like, oh, even as this season has gone on, you have just had so many people in the organization suggesting more spending. And again, I'm not, I'm not thinking that they're going to be at, you know, the Mets payroll level next year blowing past the luxury tax. Here's this juggernaut the Cubs have built that's favored to win the World Series. It's not what I'm suggesting at all. But from David Ross to Crane Kenny to Tom Ricketts to I mean even Nico Horner is being asked and yeah. talking about this stuff. Like they're all just kind of talking about spending money and bringing in new guys and recruiting to free agents. And I I, I just, I do feel like that's going to be the case. And if that is not what people, if that's not to the level that people want, that's also fair, right? I think there are a lot of people that are waiting for, no, like the the highest ticket prices in the league, game ex- highest game experience for a family in the league, the value you know when you look at Forbes or whatever of this organization I don't want them to spend more money and be competitive I want them to be building that juggernaut every year hey yeah like I'm with you right but at this point after these last two seasons I'm settling for you know making the playoffs right I just want to watch the Cubs when they're good I get it so on, on that regard, I, I don't think that expectation is going to be met, but I, I think there's so much smoke from the, in the media and from a lot of this organization, and what gives me hope that that smoke is leading us to a fire is that it just makes sense, Brendan. They were under three million fans at Wrigley Field. They can get those fans back. They can sell playoff merch They can be involved in the money-making process that is the playoffs at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field by putting a better team on the field. They'll get better ratings on marquee. All of this just makes too much sense. There isn't a value anymore with the draft lottery, and you're not guaranteed a, a certain pick based on where you finish. Like, it doesn't even make sense to do this anymore from a business perspective. It makes sense to spend money. The roster talent is there. Just go
1: and do it. For me, my belief, too, is that we can look at last year's offseason, and you can critique it. I critique it with maybe not going after Kevin Gossman, but they did go out and spend money on Marcus Stroman, And I do think one of the lines of thinking that the front office was using when they signed Stroman was leaving the possibility open that next season, 2023 and 2024, would be contention years. And I think the way I think about this is that the Cubs currently, they have enough guys on this current team that yielded productivity, that it matches those expectations that they had when Stroman was signed. Otherwise, you don't sign Strowman. On a two to three year window, he's an opt out for the second year. You don't give that money up front where you could save that money, roll it over, and sign another guy like Drew Smiley and just and just eat Indians. I do think there was some intention there to leave the possibility open to spend money in 2023. And I think because we're getting such a high volume of pitchers being productive and reducing that error for next season. That to me signals they're gonna spend. In addition to what yes. you said with the media reports, the players talking about it, even Jet comparing this end of the season to 2014, that prompted the twenty fifteen offseason. Yep. That that to me is what gives me the, the confidence. But we don't know. I'm not saying, oh, this is sure. for sure gonna happen. But if I'm gonna bet on this, like then I'm gonna say this is more likely than not. But we'll see what happens in the next to four be, months. To be active. To be active, to yes. be in the discussion and
0: to go not Not necessarily to, you know, spend $300 million in this offseason alone. No, no, no. Because
1: if you also, before I do this break here. Just for next season, just to clarify. Yeah. right. But also, you are with the current guys like Nico Horner and Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, especially for Nico. Like, you're entering arbitration soon. So, and even with Steele, like, you're only a year away from thinking about okay with steel, you know, what is a possibility we need to extend it to buy out those RBers? You're you're not at the early stage anymore. So you kind of do have to make a decision of how do you maximize winning and revenue gained in this window and to your point with ratings down and everything this might be your best chance to maximize those revenues and to win games and when you combine those two together then it's an obvious choice of what yeah. of what to do
0: when i and i also just think like you know i do think the the context in the division is also important right like you look at a division like the NL West and i think that puts certain teams in a weird spot and i think You know, a team like the Diamondbacks might be a good sort of cross reference to the Cubs. The Diamondbacks and the Cubs finish with the exact same record, 74 and 88. I'm not super, you know, no no offense to our colleagues at PHNX, but I'm not super up on exactly every intricacy of the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. But I know they have a lot of you know good talent some future oriented guys like Zach and Allen. yeah but but they're in a position where they know two teams in their division are going crazy right right, right. all out to right. win a world series for one of them that plan is going pretty well and the other it's a little all over the place in San Diego but they're trying right mm-hmm. like they are really trying so that's a situation where you go okay like Uh, how much are they going to do right (laughs) they're not in the market the Cubs are they don't have the money that the Cubs do and if they make some significant moves but not necessarily uh, you know something insane does that get them to the 111 win Dodgers does it get them to the 90 win Padres and the Padres probably should have been better than that I don't know You look at the Cubs, like the Cardinals won 93 games. The Brewers are going to miss the playoffs. Their roster is getting worse. The Reds, maybe they're a little better, but come on, right? Like they're the Reds. The Pirates stink. O'Neal Cruz is great, but they stink. The Cardinals, three guys probably are going to be retiring. One of them is definitely not any good anymore behind the plate. Another went on a homer binge, but isn't a big factor in their plans. But Wainwright's been great for them, you know? But 93 wins, Brendan? Like, the Cubs yeah. can do the work to compete with that. Yeah. And I think that matters. So my, my point is that in a different division, maybe incremental steps to be better isn't going to get you there. I think in the NL Central, it does. And, like, you look at the rest. You know, San Diego's a wildcard team with 89 wins. The Phillies are a wild card team with 87 wins, Brendan. The Cubs can and should have an off season that at the minimum gets them in that conversation. 87 wins? Come on.
1: I, I totally agree, too. And if, if you look at the division, the dollar per wins that you're spending, I, I imagine they're different for the Cubs versus the Diamondbacks, especially in the context of that division, because what does 105 wins get you in the NL West? Gets you a wild card spot. Right. And so you lose playoff games as a result of that, and you're going to lose money as a result of that. So that does change the thinking. The Cubs are fortunate to not have that, and to be in a big market, so you can really capitalize on this as well. And I think that's 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 a big motivator for this front office as well. All right, so a break here from our sponsor, Points Bets. The best way to support CHGO and to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, Email pointspit at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you did miss it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with Points Gambling promo code, one hundred five two two 4700
0: right, Brendan. We are all over the place. <sighs> And uh, if I'm guessing for myself, we're 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 gonna run a little long today. Are we? Um, you didn't tell yeah, me this so. going
1: into it, but that's, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> mean, I'm looking at my watch. But okay, well, we only have a, f- a few minutes Jeez, uh, okay. before we're
0: at an hour, and uh, I got more to say. I
1: mean, how much more do we do? Okay, let's let's go. Um, let's
0: well, uh, yeah. So I that's just kind of our immediate reaction to the season ending, right? And it's it's going to be a long off season, but. I, I think that's the initial reaction to this season and where it puts them in the context of heading into next year. And I do think that had we seen a different version of this 2022 season— Maybe some of the I you know, I'll call it like doom and gloom from social media and stuff about how long does Jed really mean, right? When he's talking about how long until the next Great Cubs team. You know, I think like if certain things hadn't happened, maybe this is a different discussion, don't you think? Oh,
1: I think so. I think yeah. I think all things considered, this could have gone in a really bad direction as well. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I think that win window we're talking about would have been pushed back a year or two had not right. Steele or Keegan uh, developed. If Nico doesn't look this way, et right. cetera, et cetera, yeah. Like, yeah. Then, so, it's, uh, yeah.
0: then it probably is a, a different discussion. So I think when people were skeptical of of Jed and not calling it a rebuild and how weird they were about that, I don't think they were wrong to be skeptical. I just think like enough happened in this year where – I think they have a group to to build around and really add to on the higher level that can be interesting, you know. Um, it was very possible that that didn't happen, and then I think we would have, that smoke I was talking about would not have been there, and I think the quotes would have been a lot weirder and a lot more future-oriented, and we we still got to develop some of these young guys. I think we would have been hearing more of that, I think so. Right? Uh, and, you know, that's that's not really what happened. So I, I, I do think uh, that that skepticism was fair towards Jed. But I, I think, yeah, at least for me, this season played out in a way where I just don't see that as the
1: appropriate path to take. Um, if we, hold on, though. If we rewind and rewind back to June, late portion of May, when things were going bad, they were losing 10 games in a row— an ongoing question was, does it matter if the Cubs win games? Does it matter? Is is all that's useful is a draft pick? We got our answer, Corey. Winning these games mattered because yeah. you're getting these quotes. You're getting more incentive from the business side, from the front office, from the players to improve immediately. But also, these wins are a direct effect of those young guys for next season being good so if you were to lose these games then the reason those games are being lost is because something did not happen on the developmental side and if that happened we're talking about a win window years from now Corey. we're talking about right. a rotation in shambles we're talking about yes. a, a minor league system that won't be able to influx talent until one or two more years but we don't have that void on the team right now so winning games was valuable this was immensely more valuable than having a higher draft pick by five to ten whatever it ends up being it's not even a matter of if it's an obvious yes it was important
0: yeah i i absolutely agree and it's been you know getting to uh kind of some of the stuff from the players um you know, obviously the Wilson stuff is continues to just be super weird. Um, I like <laughs> I I feel like, and I kind of felt this way even at the trade deadline. I I think I said it on air, but I definitely said it to you. Like I just think that's over with. Uh, um, <clears throat> I never really got the vibe from Jed that he was particularly interested. Yeah, in any of that. You know, we had heard the reports that they hadn't even discussed. A potential extension before he might have been traded at the deadline. Um, I I I just think that this team is is this front office at least is more comfortable moving forward with glove first guys behind the plate and a long term contract for Contreras just is not something they're interested in. And we've debated the merit of that a ton. We'll continue to do it as yep. they get closer to the decision but i just that that's my read on the situation guys i think they'll i think they'll toss the qo out there and i don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing for everybody if it ends up getting accepted but i just yeah i the, the vibe i've gotten this whole time is just that jed's not interested and we can we may never know the exact reason behind that. You know, I know some people think he's obsessed with kind of forging a, a new identity and, you know, ridding the team of all of its former uh, era players. I don't I, think he, that's it. No, that's a little extreme, it is. right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't think he buys him as a player, Long term, like I just think that's what it is, and yeah, maybe he's gotten the sense from his agents that what they're going to be looking for is just not even close to what they're comfortable doing, but that's my read on it. But it, it has been, regardless, uh, sad and you know, um, emotional reading his quotes, and you know, he you know, we're talking the other night when he homers. Is this his last homer as a Cub? Things like that. He's thanking the fans. He has the emotional sort of send-off at Wrigley Field. Um, You know, so that is what it is. But, you know, he spoke again after this series with the Reds about being at peace with all of this and being excited to have earned a shot in free agency and potentially to get himself uh, some stability and some more money, which he has— Totally earned and and very much deserves. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, you're hearing from some of the other players and just like how they felt about the year. Uh, It's always nice to read guys like Marcus Stroman talk about how great Cubs fans are. I I never get tired of that, as you guys know. (laughs) Um, Reading those quotes, hearing those quotes. And, you know, he was doing it today, called the Cubs fan base the best in baseball, um we had some stuff from david ross after the red series he said quote it's not where we want to be on finishing in third place i still want to be playing so that's the way i reflect i look at it like we're going to be better really soon and like let's hurry up and get there because i'm ready to play in october i love that talk to your talk to your boss david (laughs) Or your boss's boss,
1: right? Yeah. The the intention, I believe, with Ross is to be more involved in the actual um, player personnel decisions as well. So maybe he will be, Corey. But, yeah. but, but going back to that Wilson point, I want to keep it general for this podcast. I know in the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this a lot. But where I am now in the thinking is centering on how much we've learned between the trade deadline and this current point. And what we've learned, unfortunately, with Wilson being injured, is the possible usefulness of having a skill set like Jan Gomes behind the dish. And so my question is, how useful was Jan Gomes and what was his contribution to this top tier league starting pitching ERA and and the bullpen strikeouts. What was he doing different that Wilson wasn't doing? What is the value of that? And is that what Jed is talking about when deciding to extend Wilson or not? And then my second point is, okay, well, if this was always the intention, then what was the thinking process of not trading Wilson last offseason? Right, and what, what? Why did that not happen? Was there a point in time where Jed was not sure about what type of catcher Jan Gomes would be in his ter- in terms of his value to this pitching staff? And he got that answer. I can kind of buy that as well. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why he was not traded. I do think the context has changed when he was not traded at the deadline. I was floored. I, I was shocked, and in my mind it was he, Jed messed up, and that. That may have been true, but I think the more you see why Jan Gomes was on this roster, and perhaps, I don't know what the value to it, but perhaps his value towards starting pitching is emblematic of what Jed hoped to have seen from Jan Gomes, and a reason why he still had... Contreras on this roster to start the season because he just was not sure about Jan Gomes and that type of value as well. I think we're going to talk more about this in Wilson as the offseason goes along here. But there also is a possibility that he accepts that QO. There's a possibility that his market's not that great. and He comes back to the Cubs and he takes more of a positional role. Let's say play more first base, uh, DH more, and and a catcher that's defensive first like Jan Gomes gets more of a chance. And that may... End up being what Wilson's value is, but there's a lot to unpack there. And I just don't think right now it's the time to, to do it fully.
0: Yeah. So, also heard from Nico Horner. He said, quote, uh, "...all you can do is make the most of opportunities and provide the organization and fan base with a belief in us heading in the right direction. And I think our staff and our players did a pretty good job of that. We could have done better this year, but I think that's always true. And I think overall, we brought it every day and controlled our end of it pretty well." to a point where I do believe that with the addition of some more talent on our team, I think we're in a place to compete. Agreed. I Uh, mean... Agree wholeheartedly with you, Nico. I mean,
1: let Nico run the front office too, you know? Just let him be the shortstop, the captain of the team, and let him uh, be one of the executives.
0: Yeah. So David Ross also continued on and said, I'm jealous of the teams that are going on to play and having to watch that on TV. I want to get back into that arena. We're almost there, but we're not there yet, and we've got a lot of work to do. You're up, Jed. <laughs> there you go. Um one more thing, you know, I so I, I agree with all that. And, you know, I mean, that sounds like what I would expect them to say, you know, not how I mean, we it, wanted this to go, but yeah. we feel like we're close,
1: right? Yeah, 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 but it's also good to actually hear it though, because you can expect sure. them to say that, but like these like Nico's words are pretty demonstrative. But he, he, he's, he's clever, though, because he does it in a way, which is why I love Nico. He just, you know, he's good at this. But he does it in a way that also plays the long game, where he's like, I hope they can beat next year, but also for years to come. You know, he he deflects criticism in those comments that could come back to him. I love quotes like that.
0: Um, well, he's a Stanford man. He's a Stanford man. I, he's I, he's guy. He's pretty smart.
1: I mean, he may be an executive one day, Corey. Once he, once the Cubs retire, as number two.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> so... One more thing, just from the player perspective, um, was Marcus Stroman, you know, talking about this offseason and all of that. And part of, you know, obviously, I think over the course of this season, uh, I would be surprised if most of you have not grown to love Marcus Stroman, if you didn't already, uh, just with how he pitched, his attitude, his community work, just everything that he brought to the table here his for the defense. Cubs. Yeah, in in 2022. Uh, But he's, you know, talking about free agency and stuff like that. He said, quote, I'll reach out and recruit. I'll do as much as I can. I love that. But a lot of it's out of my control. We're out of a lot of it. We're not in a lot of those discussions or negotiations. We're finding out just like y'all a lot of the time on Twitter. If Chairman Tom Ricketts and Team President Jed Hoyer mean what they say, this is a big winter for acquisitions and progress in this latest rebuild, which could make it especially valuable to have added credible voices to help sell their vision to free agent targets. I would love to be involved in that process man first of all I love this what I mean just what a quote (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's so much about that that I I could dig into uh but like I said I don't know how you don't love Marcus Stroman right um because firstly I believe him wholeheartedly he wants to be in that process and you've seen him talk about how much he loves Wrigley Field, the the vibe, the crowd, everything. I think he wants to sell people on that. Yeah. You also can tell obviously he wants to be competing. He wants to be pitching in big games. He wants to be pitching in high-leverage moments and seeing Wrigley Field in all its glory in the playoffs with all of us going nuts in the stands. But like digging in t- beyond that, right? If if Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer mean what they say, you know, do it, Marcus, right? Like, drag him a little bit, you know, preemptively. Well,
1: not to I be- love it. Yeah.
0: I mean— you- I absolutely love that, right? Because he is someone on the team. <laughs> he is a big-name player. He is a big, outspoken uh, person in Major League Baseball, and this is the type of stuff that should be happening to this team. You and I and a lot of other people— are hopeful, and expecting them to spend meaningfully in an active offseason. But I love hearing someone like Stroman say that. Put them on the spot. You guys are saying it's going to be a big winter. Hopefully you mean that, right? Because a lot of us in the years past have taken issue with the fact that they've been a little wishy-washy with all of that, with the fans and the letters to season ticket holders, this, that, and the other. It hasn't always been true. I love that even in this quote of talking about being excited for next year and wanting to be involved, he kind of lays it on the people in control, like, hey, this is what you guys said, and I hope you mean it.
1: Yeah. Also, when, when you talk about Stroman and his ability to maybe recruit or be an ambassador for this team, I'm, I'm also wondering what the conversations were like last season when he signed with the Cubs. Like, Did the front office say, hey, you know, Stroman, by 2023, here's the chances that we're going to be in meaningful contention. And if that influenced Stroman's decision to sign with the Cubs, maybe it did. I'm not sure. I'm just curious about that process. But Strowman is like the ideal candidate to recruit guys, man. This energy he speaks so highly of this organization – And Corey, it's another example of a player, both former and current, that speak highly of this organization. You hear it continuously from Hugh Darvish, from Kyle Schwarber, you heard it from all these recent bullpen arms in years past. It influenced Guys like David Robertson and his decision to sign with the Cubs, yeah. Michael Gibbons as well, uh, perhaps even um, Jesse Chavez before he was traded for Sean Newcomb. He came back; it didn't work out this time, but he had a great experience a couple years ago. This stuff matters, man. When you go out to the public and you say it, but it's it's not just saying it to the public because in my mind it represents what your conversations are like to the players. I don't care what you say to the public. It's great to know that you're hearing this, but to me, it signals these are the conversations that are having that these players are having in their privacy. And I like that. I think that's gonna really bode well for maybe some of those guys on the on the edge of whether or not to sign with the Cubs. And you know what? You may get someone like in John Lester's case who have similar offers they pick the Cubs because of those small differences that end right. up looming large.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think uh, either was obviously a lot to it, but you know, I think that just happened with Yu Darvish and Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. We learned that part of the the big reason Seiya chose this was because you Darvish spoke so Thank highly you Darvish about the. So Chicago when Yu
1: Darvish is a free agent in what one or two more years, you got to bring him back. It's just only fair.
0: Does he still follow you on Twitter? Could you still? He be does. On him? I can Oh wow! Ooh, that's, so you that's can a dangerous. be recruiting.
1: That's a da- oh look out! I don't know if you want me to Although, recruit.
0: Well, do we think that would be a, a enticing or a detriment? Well,
1: you and I have a very process. good relationship. We're very uh, we're very kind. So you, you know.
0: and you Darvish, not you and me.
1: Yeah, not well. You and me is just a, it's all over the place. But, but right, you Darvish and myself. Yeah, we're 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 we're, we're best friends. So I think it could yeah. work. <laughs>
0: um so I you know as far as like uh, again we have a whole month where other teams are playing baseball and the Cubs are not so we can get into a lot more of the specifics with the various players but for for this episode really just wanted to have like kind of a gut reaction the season ended how do we feel about it right and and maybe uh some of our thoughts will change as the offseason goes on and we have more time to kind of reflect on this season and and things like that but that I think is our initial reaction. Obviously, we did not go through those box scores. I don't know that any of you guys care. I
1: kind of cared because we're not going to be doing this for six more months. So I was kind of, uh, kind of disappointed.
0: Well, but, I okay, a couple notes, right? Thank well, you, and they, they also lost the series, right? Uh, but it was 3-1 to one in Game 1 on Monday, 3-2 to two in Game 2 on Tuesday, and then 15-2 to two, uh, in the finale big on yeah. Wednesday, Game 162. Yeah. Uh, I think the big standouts, uh, Hayden Wisniewski, six innings, four hits, one earned run, one walk and six strikeouts in his final start of the year on Monday, 2.18 ERA on the season for Hayden. Obviously Brendan has talked about that a lot, Uh, a very, very successful season for a guy that the Cubs didn't even have, uh, in June. So that's cool. Um, Nico by Jed. Home run, Reuter 10th home there. run, Nico. Yes, okay. Nico Horner hit his 10th home run of the season in the second game on Tuesday. Wilson Contreras also what with might be, I guess, his last home run as a Chicago Cub on Tuesday. That is number 22 on the season for Wilson. He finishes the season with an 8.15 OPS and those 22 home runs. Nice. Uh, and then uh, the 15-2 to game, uh, like I said, Adrian Sampson didn't get through that to finish it. Of note, Adbert Alzolay picks up the win in the final game of the year. Two and a third, two hits, one walk, and three strikeouts, no runs allowed. So a good finish to the year for him. Mark Leiter Jr. with a scoreless inning of relief on Wednesday. Two strikeouts. Brendan finishes the year with a sub-4 ERA. Wow. Very
1: nice. Listen, I love
0: you guys, take out the starts that he made and look at what he <laughs> did as a reliever, no, and it's pretty interesting. backwards, too okay um right uh Brandon Hughes an inning of work to finish out game 162 fitting that he is the last pitcher to take the mound for the Cubs in 2022 3.12 ERA on the season he will definitely be a part of things next year I guess unless Jed trades him for another projectable starter like Scott because I probably said that about Scott Joey Efros. Ohtani, perhaps uh yeah uh that's <laughs> not quite Hayden Wisneski, but yeah uh, maybe it is uh, Nico Horner finishes the season uh, a slash line 281 327 410 106 WRC plus yes. and Brendan yes you hit your magic number yes. if you listened to us last episode you wanted 320 weighted on base average you got Thank that God. exactly I love it so as it turns out uh he finishes as a 3.9 uh, win player
1: that will be 4.0 by tomorrow morning I think I did. Oh, some, is that like, true? I think I did some like back of the napkin math. Of course, I think, you did. I think it will be four point yeah, he was sure. on
0: base three times yeah. in the finale, so yeah. maybe yeah, that's not factored into right. uh, the three point nine.
1: And no errors today. You know, he may have made some like you know right? good defensive okay. plays. Yeah.
0: Okay, we'll call him a four win player. Well, I'm, in our he hearts, at the very wins, least, but yeah. Uh, Say a Suzuki will finish the year above. 2.0 wins above replacement. 262, 336, 433 slash line. 334 weighted on base average. 116 wRC Great plus. Year, Great in year. 446 plate appearances for the rookie. Yep. As we've said, a very nice year for him, uh, especially with the way that he responded to some struggles at the plate and the way that pitchers were adapting to him. So very excited about what he's able to do going forward. And I. I think that's it. That's I think it. that's a wrap. The the last wow. thing uh, that I would note uh, is that uh, each year the MLB Hall of Fame does the Ford C. Frick there Award. I and was waiting for you to say this. I got it. Okay. Well, he was—he's been burned by this before, so you'll forgive me if I'm not super excited about uh, how that's, that's the Hall fair. of Fame runs things. That's fair. Uh, especially with how they treated his longtime partner, Ron Santo. Uh, the Hall of Fame is lucky I'm even talking about them with how they treated Ron Santo. Yeah, that's true. But I will talk about them. Uh, the Ford C. Frick Award is presented for excellence in broadcasting, and one of your ten finalists is, of course, Pat Hughes.
1: Pat Hughes deserves it, so
0: he better get it. The results of the balloting will be announced on December seventh. Yeah, there you go. The Hall of Fame is generally a joke, so uh, (laughs) I sort of expect to be pissed off by that, but wouldn't be the first time as a Cubs fan. So, but either way, uh, the moral of that point is that Pat uh, has been working in baseball and calling baseball games for your entire life several decades i think over 40 years uh and he is the best in the business so he deserves it whether the mlb hall of fame decides on that or not doesn't matter nobody deserves it more than him and uh i'm glad he's honored with the nomination and he should win if he doesn't i don't care right yeah, that's uh, but he deserves it he deserves to get his flowers and have that moment so i do uh hope that he gets that so no series preview brendan you have nothing to preview
1: yeah well i mean uh before i go out this is our last game or last series review of the yes. season this was our you and i Corey, our sixth complete season together our seventh uh, don't get all partial. sentimental on I'm me if that's what you're that, doing can you believe it's been like that long like seven years it's been seven no. years dude it's insane.
0: A lot of, you know, I what I am impressed about is that a lot of, you know, rock bands or uh, you know, <laughs> even TV show casts, things like that, you know, they they fight, they break up, they have irreconcilable differences and somehow you and I persist. I know.
1: Well, you you've screamed at me a few times, but uh, you know, I probably deserved it. So it's okay. Listen, somebody has to keep you in line. I know. I get it. But uh yeah, no, big big thank you to to all the listeners. Uh we're going to be doing this Throughout the off season, weekly, uh, the current moment is we'll be doing this Thursday evening uh, the recordings, but they will go out early Friday morning going forward unless things change. Expect that, but we'll announce it again um, earlier next week just to make sure that's that's clear to everyone on Twitter. But expect yeah. our next episode to be next Friday morning, not you know not tomorrow, but the well actually yeah we are going up tomorrow, but the following Friday, um, and that will be continuing throughout the off season.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty much what we've done, uh, in years past may have been a different day of the week, but, uh, typically if you are just hearing Brendan and I, uh, as of CHGO launch, or if you've been with us for a long time, uh, we typically only do one episode a week in the off season. Um, just kind of how Brendan and I analyze things and discuss things, uh, it's, we just like to condense it to, to one episode a week and you know make sure that uh, when we're putting out episodes, we have enough to say for you guys. So uh, that's the format that works best for us. Uh, but Luke and, and Cody and Ryan still going to have uh, daily shows throughout the week for you. So if you need your Cubs fix, um, they are, as I said at the beginning, I commended them on being able to do so many postgame shows for a team that was oftentimes not very fun to watch. In the second half, they were a lot more fun to watch, but a lot of the time, not that fun to watch. But uh, I I commend them. They they are much better than Brendan and I are at uh, being able to do this on a daily basis. It is not uh, a strength of Brendan and I's. Uh, we We can crank out the series review, but after that, it would be I don't even know, Brendan. So uh, a credit to those guys, and and they're gonna carry us through this off season. But we, as usual, you will still hear from us uh, once a week, and uh, you know, I think if if crazy stuff happens, you know, we'll we'll join with the other guys and figure out how to do emergency podcasts and stuff like that. Um, Oddly enough, through our time with CHU, we really haven't had the the opportunity for that yeah you know we we kind of expected that it might happen and yeah. you know a need for a weirdly timed emergency podcast like on a saturday night or something like that but nothing ever really came yeah, out i think the trade for the, deadline
1: for the big news you were there at the trade deadline in studio and then uh, yeah
0: but that wasn't that was at the trade deadline yeah. that that what i'm saying is like in some of the the bigger off seasons um you know I, and and it's been you a while. CHDO <laughs> was not a thing yet when, like, Strowman signed, right? You know, right. So it just hasn't happened yet. But well, it, it does, this offseason. It yeah, better yeah, right. When they sign Carlos Correa on a Saturday at two in the morning, we're going you know, on. We'll call Luke or we'll figure it out, and yeah, we'll 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 get on there. But uh, with that, you know, before signing off, uh, I do just want to say again, and we talked about this a lot when it happened. But a big thank you to all of you guys who have been with Brendan and I for many years, longer than Brendan and I deserve to have you with us. Uh, In the transition to CHGO, um, we appreciate you, you know, trusting us with that and embracing chgo in the way that you have embracing luke and cody and ryan and jared uh and allowing them you know to show you the great work that they were going to do and did end up doing uh and believing in all of us for that uh, and a thank you to everybody at CHGO, not just Luke and, and Cody and Ryan and Jared, uh, but also Jake and, and Kevin, uh, the guys uh, leading the charge there, and, you know, really everybody involved at, at CHGO, um, from Casey on social to uh, Brandon to all of the other wonderful beats and, and writers and content creators uh, and podcasters that, that do incredible work and who Brendan and I are lucky to call colleagues and friends
1: and special um, shout out joey you know kevin as well yes of course so, our guys yes
0: our, our wonderful producers yeah. steven steven sarah yes um i it almost felt like uh you know giving an award speech like i know i'm gonna <laughs> skip over somebody you know uh but but really i it's it's a testament brendan and i are very lucky to have had this opportunity and continue to have this opportunity it's it's a really Uh, Fun organization with a lot of really good people uh, committed to what Brendan and I have always been committed to, which was uh, quality discussion and coverage of teams that we're all genuinely really passionate about and really care about and want to provide this content about. And we're uh, fortunate to have had the platform that we did for many years and fortunate to continue uh, now in this new platform. And again, very grateful to all of you for... Uh, either joining us now a- as we started with CHGO, or for sticking with us uh, through many years and, and into this kind of first big transition for Brendan and I. So uh, thank you for all of that. Thank you for your undying support uh, and giving two absolute psychopaths uh, a platform to discuss the Chicago Cubs baseball team uh, like Brendan and I. I sincerely hope that next year we get to do all of this again in the context of a competitive cubs team and as we are winding down in october and getting to game 162 we are not bidding you farewell and instead of me rambling here like this brendan does have yeah. a series preview for you uh except this time it's the national league division series let's go so let's put that all on our vision board And we're going to hope for that and we're going to manifest it into reality, right? 2023, a better year for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I want to see it and I want to experience that with all of you. So uh, we will leave you there. Uh, Thank you again for your support. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support of CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet. And uh, whether we are getting ready for a new season, getting ready for a new series, or wrapping it up after 162 games of a 74 and 88
1: ball club, as always, go Cubs.